You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Today we'll be in Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Uh, we, we're in a section in this part of Scripture where we find there is so much that is in Christ and with Christ. So in Christ and with Christ. Uh, let's, let's just read a larger block than we're actually going to look at, but to get the feel of it and set it in its place and to see the great blessings for us in Christ and with Christ. From Colossians 2, let's start in verse 2. saying that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself. There's our topic. What's in Christ himself? In whom? In Christ himself are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one would delude you with persuasive argument. But even though I'm absent from the body, nevertheless, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built in him, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ, for in him are all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him. You've been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, you also are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our transgressions, having canceled out the debt, certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. And so what was in Christ Jesus himself? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in him we have faith. It's in him we walk. It's in him we're firmly rooted and are built up. It's in him that all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. It's in him we've been made complete. And then the subject of our study today, these verses... In him you were also circumcised, and in him you were buried 
So you were buried with him, you were raised with him, and you were made together, alive with him. So in him circumcised, with him buried, with him raised up, and with him made alive. And the ultimate end of it is, verse 15, that we would triumph over all through him. So in him, with him, and through him. And so we sing the hymn, he is my all in all. Right? He, he is everything to me. We sing in another hymn. He's the name above all names. He is the one. He is the sinner. And so there's so much in him and so much with him that we may triumph through him. The great change for us, talking about going from that life that's in the world, that life that was in sin, that life that was in self and selfishness, that life that was alienated from God, that life that was such that it required a mediator for us to get back to God, a propitiation for our sins, which Jesus is the one mediator in the propitiation. That change occurred, it talks about here in verse 11. In verse 11 it says, we were circumcised with him. What we find is we are circumcised, buried, raised, made alive by forgiveness in him. So that's our, again, that was our our heading for today. That circumcision is where we make the change, where we go from that life separated from God, needing the sacrifice, needing the salvation, needing the uh, atonement, so that now we're made in him, again, with him. And it says in, in this, in verse 11, speaking about that, in him it says, you were circumcised with the circumcision without hands. And so here's a spiritual act. Here's an act that didn't take place with with any physical touching, with any physical intervention. Here's a thing that took place in the realm of the spiritual alone, in the realm of faith, in the realm of trust, that we were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, removal of the body of flesh, the King James will say of the sins of the flesh, but we're separating that the flesh where we have done so much sin, we're separating that, that body which is corrupt, that which has been corrupted by the sin in this world, and that's been cut off of us. So just like in circumcision, there's a cutting and there's a removal. But the real circumcision here is not that circumcision which the Jews performed on the eighth day, It's not that circumcision, which might be done medically. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, baby boys today are still circumcised at the hospital before they go home. And it's a medical procedure. There's no rabbi involved. There's no preacher involved. It's it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, one of the services that doctors offer. It's purely as a a physical thing uh, for either cultural reasons or uh, medicinal benefit. But those things are not the real circumcision that makes any difference. That kind of circumcision, when it comes to the heart, doesn't make a difference. 1 Corinthians 7, 19. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. So when it comes to the heart, when it comes to the spirit, when it comes to the things of God, that circumcision, which was a sign and seal of the old covenant, and which all the descendants of Abraham had, and was codified in the law of Moses, but going back to, to Abraham and his separation from the world, well, that means no longer anything. 
In 1 Corinthians 7, it says what matters is keeping the commandments of God. So it's not circumcision, but it's how do you live in relation to what God says. Or in another place, Galatians 5 and 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. And so in one place, it says what matters is keeping the commandments, and what matters in the other place is faith. So which matters? Well, it's not circumcision that matters, right? All right, so circumcision, not mattering. But then what does matter? Well, again, in one place it says keeping the commandments, and the other place it says faith working through love. So which would y'all place is more important? Faith working through love or keeping the commandments? Well, since both of these are written by the Apostle Paul, I don't think there's any difference. He's emphasizing different things, but it's the same author on the same topic. And has he contradicted himself or set himself against himself? No. He's emphasizing different things. Why and how does one keep the commandments? In faith with love. How does one keep the faith? Isn't it, and wouldn't it be in obedience to the commandments? What would you think about a guy who says, I keep the faith. I'm a stalwart for the faith. I just don't like them commandments, none. Uh, hold on, guy. We got a problem, right? And so the Apostle Paul himself says both. What matters is the keeping of commandments of God and faith working through love. That's how we define what's important. Because we've had the real circumcision. The circumcision not made with hands. Uh, Romans 2 talks about that. He says, again, the Apostle Paul, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. That means he's circumcised. Neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart. By the spirit and not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. And so we need to have all of us that circumcision which has cut our hearts. We need to have that circumcision which has cut away from us. This, as it says here in verse 11, the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So it's Christ who has circumcised us. It's Christ who must circumcise us. And that can be the only circumcision that matters. Now, I don't know how it is in the Jewish community. I don't know. I have not known enough of those folks and been confident enough in my friendship with those that I have uh, to find out about this. But I wonder, are there any Jews uh, to whom it's an honor that they were circumcised by a certain rabbi? Rabbi so-and-so circumcised me. Another says, well, Rabbi so-and-so circumcised me. Or I was circumcised at Temple, Beth, whatever, synagogue. Or I was circumcised at whatever other name of synagogue. Do they ever glory in that yonder? I don't know. I'm just guessing I'd say probably some wrongly do. Just like do some brag about and do some make a note about who it was that baptized them. They were baptized by this notable preacher, or brother so-and-so of great note. Or brother so-and-so of big reputation in this part of the world. Yes, brother so-and-so baptized. What does it matter? It matters not at all. What matters is, have you 
been circumcised by Christ. If Christ has cut from you the body of sin, if Christ has cut your sinful flesh away, that you might no longer live in that and live by that, but live for him and in him with a circumcision of the Spirit of God and by the Spirit of God, then that matters. So Philippians 3, for Paul says, we are of the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And so imagine if someone came in today and said, I've been circumcised by Christ. Well, why would that not be much of a good brag here amongst a group of faithful people? Because what would everybody else in the room say? Yeah, yeah, me too. And maybe, what took you so long? Been here waiting on you. Oh no, there would be none of that spirit. Because this is a thing of faith, of faith and love, with it the requisite humility. But this operation of Christ on us, and if Christ has not circumcised our hearts, then how are we connected to him? We're no more connected to him than the Jewish people were connected to their people without having been circumcised. All right, so we've been circumcised of the true circumcision of Christ and by Christ. Now, that's not normally the way we think about this, right? We think normally not about circumcision in the church, but about baptism. So we'll get right to that, verse 12. Here's here's that circumcision played out in ways that can be seen. Here's that in in outward uh, form. Here it is uh, in in a thing that we did that we all know about and in a form we're more familiar in talking about. Verse 12, having been, so this is the explanation of the above, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And so buried with him in baptism, circumcised in him when we were buried in him. Like Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So we've been circumcised with him. We've been baptized with him. We've been crucified with him. All of these things of the gospel, this is what we ourselves have to undergo spiritually. And we do this, it says here, in baptism. Again, we were buried with him. In Romans 6, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? We were baptized into his death. That's why we have a burial here in verse 12. It's a burial. One of the reasons why we insist on its immersion. Because you're not buried when you have some dirt sprinkled on you, right? Uh, I've been a couple of times buried partly in the sand at the beach. And I find it no fun whatsoever. Of course, also, y'all don't need to know this, but I'm quite slightly claustrophobic. That shouldn't come up, and there's no reason to use that against me. But it is, I don't like it. It's not comfortable. But I have been sprayed with dirt a lot of times. I have had dirt kicked on me a lot of times. I mean, I grew up in West Texas, right? And so anything that has a spinning tire or a beating hoof is going to kick up dirt on you and and make you dirty. But I never thought I was buried. I never felt like I was being buried. And I wouldn't use the figure or symbol of burial in regard to that, right? Because it just wasn't. But when they put me in the ground, 
they put me in the sand and started heaping it up on me. Okay, now we're getting way too close to burial. And so it is here. I have been and you have been, if we're in Christ, buried with him in baptism. And so again, the words of verse 12, buried with him in baptism. Well, why were we buried? Well, so that we could get back up in a new way in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God. So raised up with him in faith. In Romans 6, that's going to be called rising to walk in newness of life. And the Apostle Paul explains further in Romans 6, verse 11, about that. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign over your mortal body. Well, we buried that. That sin should be dead and buried. It should be dead and gone. Therefore, don't let sin reign over your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And do not go presenting yourselves in the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't go presenting yourself to sin. Very uh, you know, vivid imagery there. Some people, you know, hey, there's sin. And what do some people do? They line up, they salute and say, reporting for duty, sir. How would you like me to sin today? You know, lust just controls them. They follow every, obe- every command of lust obediently. We don't present ourselves and the members of our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness, but we present ourselves to God as alive from the dead, as members as and our members as instruments of righteousness to God. So we report to God. We line up on his line. We wait for his orders. We go do his will. And all of this again is by the act of faith. It says, through faith in the working of God. We do all of this by faith in the working of God. How is it that we confess Christ? By faith. How is it uh, that we repent of sin? By faith. How is it that we're baptized? By faith. How do we then have a continuing obedience? How do we lead a sanctified life? By faith. It's through faith in the working of God. And so who's got the, uh, the, the power? The gospel is the power of God to salvation. God has the power. Who has the right plan? Who has the right will? Again, back from Romans. We present ourselves as instruments of righteousness. And so an instrument does the work that the one who wields the instrument wants it to do, right? That's why when you put the ax in the hand of an inexperienced man, not much gets done. You put the ax in the hand of an experienced man, what happens? You turn your back and you look back a second later and go, wow, how did all that get done? Well, because he knew what he was doing with that instrument. And so it is with God. He's the one who's doing the work here. Our faith is in his working. Our faith is in the working of God who raises him from the dead. And so he raised Christ from the dead. He raised us from the dead. He'll raise all from the dead. Our faith is in him. And so it's by faith that we're buried and by faith that we're raised. And now it's going to be by faith we shall live. As Habakkuk said long ago, though just shall live by his faith. So now we're alive. Verse 13. You were, and you who were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our transgression, verse 13. So again, we were dead in our sins and transgressions. That's Ephesians chapter 2, 
verses 1 and 2. And we walked after the course of this world. We were in the uncircumcision of our flesh. We were all walking around, like David said about Goliath. David went out there and said, you uncircumcised Philistine. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. That's the thing that matters. Not that he's nine foot tall. Not that he's got a spear like a weaver's beam. Not that he's got a sword that's as big as a man. That's not the important thing. The important thing to Goliath was he was this uncircumcised, filthy-minded, sinful, hateful Philistine. And so through the power of God, under the protection of God, David took care of him. And so these uncircumcised who lived without the circumcision of Christ, they lived even without much of the restraint of the law, even though the law was there, it didn't restrain them, reading on from Ephesians 2. Among them we too also formerly walked or formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and the mind, children of nature as all the rest. Yeah, even we, verse 5, who were dead in our transgressions. And so those with the law, those without the law, everyone outside of the faith of Christ, in this uncircumcision that Christ alone can cure by his circumcision, which is by faith in the working of God, can we then be forgiven as we're baptized in him in faith and arise to walk in newness of life. And if we don't do it in faith, if we don't do it with this kind of circumcision, what does it avail, right? It'd be like uh, having baptism without that kind of faith would be just like having a, a living under the law with circumcision, but not keeping what God said. Jeremiah 4.4 said, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your heart, men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench because of the evil of your deeds. And so doing evil after having been circumcised, that did no good. And having been baptized, but without this kind of faith, without this kind of change inwardly from Christ would do no good either. Just wouldn't. Uh, So Jeremiah 9 has this curse. Behold, I'm coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised yet uncircumcised. And today we might read that as those who are baptized yet unbaptized. Egypt and Judah and Edom and the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all those who inhabit the desert who clip their hair in their temples. For all the nations who are uncircumcised, those are all under the curse, as are all the house of Israel who are uncircumcised of heart. And so we have to really be changed. We have to be really circumcised of heart. And then uh, we in faith can be buried with Christ, raised with him, and be forgiven. As it says, having, he made you alive together, having forgiven you all your transgressions. All right. So that's the problem. The problem is transgression. The wages of sin is death. That's uh, Romans 6.23. Again, Ephesians 2.5. You know, we were dead in our transgressions. You Gentiles, yeah, y'all were dead in your sins and transgressions. Verse 5, yeah, so were us Jews. But what's the cure? Well, we believe in Christ. We make a change. We do like what Peter said. We repent, as he instructed that group. We repent and are baptized. We're buried with Christ, trusting in the working of God, right? And we're baptized there, it says, in the name of Christ 
for forgiveness of our sin that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or here it summarizes more simply and more basically is having been forgiven of all our transgressions. And so circumcised of heart for forgiveness by Christ that is connected to our baptism in Christ by faith. And in this way, in this way alone, we're made alive. We're made alive. Again, it's not a formality that this is done. It is a thing done trusting in the working of God. And so let us remember that we were thus circumcised. Let us live that we were thus circumcised, that we had the old man, the old body of flesh cut off and and, and buried uh, in Christ, that he raised us and he forgave us. And this then is the way now that we evermore shall live. It's all in Christ in this text and it's with Christ and eventually for those with this faith, again, Colossians 2.15, we would triumph over these things of evil through him. So in him, with him, and through him. And our connection to him is this circumcision of the heart, trusting in the work of God and it's connected here directly with our baptism. With that, then, we'll close and hope that this consideration of these verses has been helpful and encouraging, reminding us of what we've done, what we need to keep doing, the spirit which should uh, animate it along the way, and the way that we should live in him. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Malvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.